Be quiet, my mom. Podcast about coin. Get your ish together. Welcome to Get Your Ish Together podcast for believers, where we learn how to shift our mindset so we can do it all and be all that we were created to be, boo. I'm your dopest hostess with the mostest, Delisa New Williams here. Come follow me each week on this journey of ish, inner self-healing, that is, where freedom awaits, purpose is calling your name, and destiny lies ahead. It's time to be free, y'all. Are you ready? Because the future you is waiting. Hey, hey, believers. Welcome to the place with style and grace. God's grace, that is. It is yet another episode of Get Your Ish Together. And I am your girl, your dopest hostess with the mostest, Delisa New Williams here. This has truly been a glean and grow kind of season for me. It's like everywhere I go or whatever I watch or even what I listen to on the radio, God has been just talking, okay? Talking, talking, talking to me. And I am so grateful because I know I'm not alone in this walk. Like sometimes you can feel like you are truly alone in your situation, but God is like, nope. Mm -mm. I don't even want you to stay there. I'm right here in the movies. I got a message for you at church. I got something else over here I want to share with you in this song. Like, come on, Jesus, just pour your love on me, okay? If you have ever felt like God isn't there, I'm going to need you to turn on a YouTube preacher or listen to a song and just let God minister to you. Real talk, like he's not just at church. He is everywhere everywhere, okay? <laughs> For those who don't know Ebonics, he is everywhere, even in today's podcast, especially in today's podcast. Today, I want to talk about this movie series I just saw on Netflix called When They See Us, directed by my girl Ava DuVernay, who is a beast, and I cannot wait to meet her, work with her. Matter of fact, I prophesy on this podcast right now that I will work with her someday in Jesus' name. You know, sometimes you just got to speak your own destiny over yourself, okay? But the movie, When They See Us, is about the Central Park Five. And if you were in elementary school at the time, like I was, I was only five years old when this happened. So you may not know or had even heard of the story. But let me give you the cliff notes, or as we say around here, the ish notes. Yeah, I just made that up. But I will not be alone by myself today talking about this dope topic. I have none other than the man who changed my last name, special guest, the very first special guest to ever hit the scene on Get Your Ish Together, my lovely, amazing, I don't know what I would do without him, husband, Emilio Williams. Give it up for me, y'all. Clap, 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 clap. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's, I'm so glad to be here on the show with um, with my wife. Um, it's a real real blessing. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm actually very a, a, a fan of hers because she is doing her thing. She out here she killing the game, and oh, she was saying, "Baby, thank you." <laughs> um, so it's a pleasure to be here on this show to share her platform with her, um, and to talk about something that's very important to her and I. 
um, this 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 topic really resonates home with us, you know, with one us having sons, and then two it being so close to Father's Day. Yes, um, so, it is close to five. So, so it, you know, and, and and growing up being um, black in America, you know, that has its own implications. So, you know, we want to teach our children, you know, how to to navigate, you know, this terrain of America as they grow up to make sure that they make it to adulthood and safe and be safe at all times. So, I'm glad that you said that, you know, because this podcast that we're doing right now, it it really is about it's personal for us because we are parents and we do have two boys and not just two boys, but two African-American boys. And were you aware of the Central Park Five, like growing up? Because we're, we're the same age, like before the movie came out, even before the whole lawsuit, they were awarded and, and you know, their the record was expunged. Like what? Had you heard anything about it? Well, um, I wouldn't say that I knew a whole lot about it. Um, I did hear about it. Um, I knew what the what the premise of the the case was, the court case was, and what happened and what they were accused of. Um, but I didn't really dive deeper into it until I really um, saw the Netflix um, series. So, you know, the Netflix series wasn't my first introduction to what happened with those young men in New York. Um, it just made me want to dive deeper and want to want to know more. So let's give a little preview for those who have not seen it yet. The Central Park Five, and I'm, we're not going to tell the whole story, but I'm just going to give you the basics. I mean, you can Google Wikipedia this whole um, situation and find it out on, for yourself, but I, I still implore you to watch the Netflix series when they see us because you're going to get emotional, get you some tissue. It's really moving and impactful. But the Central Park Five, it's a true story. It's no fairy tale, okay? It's, it's based on a real-life true story about five minority male teenagers who were the ages between 15 and 16, and they were wrongfully convicted of raping and brutally, like for real brutally, beating a white woman in 1989. And so the detectives, the politicians, and attorneys that were working for the state of New York, they had caused these juveniles into admitting to a crime that they never committed, okay? Never, ever committed. And after they were detained by the officers for hours and hours on end without food, without any drink, they didn't even have their parents there with them. Now, mind you, these were minors and um, they finally agreed to the crime that was presented before them because they were promised by the police officers who were interrogating them that they will go home. So, there was a part in the movie, and this is really interesting to me, like, how do you think that you would feel if you were one of those boys? Because remember, it was a point where we asked one of our kids, and because we watched this movie with our children, but before we had family movie night, remember, we asked our oldest daughter, and we were like, you know, would you agree to doing something, admitting to a crime because they promised that you would go home. And what did she say? She said, yeah. Yeah. She said, yeah. And it was kind of eye-opening that, you know, that she would admit to something that she would not do because of fear, because of, you know, exhaustion. And these these interrogation tactics that they used was nothing new. This is was a, this was a sign of the times. Um, they were using these interrogation tactics to get people to confess to crimes all across America. 
where they would um, interrogate you for hours without a break, without food. They would scare you. They would they play the good cop, bad cop role. You know, they would make promises that they didn't have any intention on keeping, you know, and then they would try to get you to waive your legal rights to a lawyer because they understood that you didn't understand how the justice system works. So they used that to their advantage. So when she told us that she would she would uh, uh, admit to a crime that she did not commit, I'm like, OK, well, we need to do some work. We need to talk to our children. We need to sit down with them and have them watch this series, do some work to educate them on what do you do if you ever find yourself in this position where you are accused of something that you did not do. Exactly. And this is one question that I really want to ask you being a man and being a father. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast so close to Father's Day. And I'm really praying and hoping that fathers everywhere listen to this, especially minority fathers, that they listen to this and take some time out to really, really talk to their children, educate not just their children, but just youth in general, youth and community. What were your thoughts watching that moment? There, when when the father and it wasn't just one father, but there were actually two fathers that told their sons to sign the document as well, signing you know the document that said that they did the crime or that they were an accomplice or whatever. And my thoughts on it was, um, I, I what I re- saw in that situation that the fa- the fathers were just as afraid or unacknowledgeable um, or ignorant of the law as their children were. You know, so now it's your responsibility as a parent, my responsibility as a father to know more than what my children know, to be able to guide my children when they get into uncharted territory. So for me, when I saw that, both of them was in uncharted territory. The father didn't know how to interact with the police, nor did the children know how to interact with the police. And that led to the father or the parents, you know, signing these documents to to, to um, waive the rights for their children. Um, and, 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 and my... And my understanding is that, you know, as a father, you know, I want to be in a position where I know, where I can help my children, where my children can rely on me and they can depend on me. And I have to, you know, be bold, be brave, be, 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 you know, have the courage and, and have the knowledge to guide them in when they reach uncharted territory. Now, what parts of the movie really spoke to you as a father, I know you you mentioned, you know, that when you watch that, it, it kind of opened up your eyes on what it was that you need to do in addition to raising your children. But there were so many parts in the movie that like just opened up my eyes, you know, for instance, when, you know, when the child was just sitting there and, you know, they ship your children off. I mean, you know, I guess just being a mother, like I'm, I'm thinking of so many scenes that's coming to my mind right now. And I'm just thinking of my own children that I've given, you know, I've held, I've, I've fed, I've nurtured. And I'm like, God, I just, I could never imagine going through this. And so, you know, one part for me was just like, man, finding a lawyer, finding an attorney and the years and years. And, you know, one mom who just kept losing her job because, you know, the whole community, just the whole America just turned their back on them. Like what part really stood out for you as a father and especially a father of boys, but not just boys, but African-American boys? One part, one part that stood out to me was um, that, there was this, there was one 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 father son interaction where the father had to go to work, 
he couldn't stay with his son because he had to go to work. And he had to choose between being there with his son and, and, and at this point in his life where it's a it's a it's a fork in the road. What what happens in this room, what happens on this day can change his son's life forever, which it did. Mm. And he had to choose to go to work or or not go to work which is a fork in the road for him where not going to work could probably change his life in the short term, wow. you know, by him being in poverty and whatnot, you know? So he opted to go to work, which basically left his son there in that police station with those, um, with those police officers that, 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 that just interrogated him and, and, and just, you know, beat, beat, not really physically beat him up, but psychologically beat him up. Beat him up. And that's that's a position that I don't want to be in. That's something that I won't have to choose work over my children. My children need me, but man, I need to go to work because if I don't go to work, then my life will be affected in the short term and losing the sight or the, the bigger picture that, wow, this right here could really affect my son for his entire life. You know what? That's interesting that you said that because the, the men... Fathers, you know, you all are providers. You know, you you bring home the bacon, as they say. And, you know, if you lose your job and especially, you know, jobs are so scarce now. It's like, OK, you lost your job for this. But you're right. Keeping your eye on the bigger picture that's at hand really was was more important than going to work at the time. Because, I mean, you, you basically lost your son for like six Six to thirteen years, because every every person served minimum of six, and I believe the highest was either thirteen or fifteen years. So, but in that moment, you don't really think about that. I mean, I would say that, and I would say even you know, moving away from the case a little bit, you know, fathers do kind of put their head down and go to work and come home, and you know, they really don't have an interaction with their children, or you know helping their children grow, learn, and develop. They kind of overlook a lot of things because they're going to work. And I can say that I've been guilty of that, you know, being, being in that provider mode. You know, not to say that I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally being neglectful, but being in that provider mode, well, okay, I got to go to work. I got to go to work. I got to make this bread. I got to uh, make it happen for my family. But when you when you go hard like that towards work, ultimately, or you know, inevitably, your family is going to suffer. Your social experience which your family is going to suffer. And so so as men, let's not lose sight of that. We have to be able to, 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 to go to work, secure the finances for our home, but we also have to be able to, to be socially aware of what's going on with our children and to raise our children, especially, not even especially, our sons and our daughters, because they both need us, um, to be able to raise our children and, have, and help them navigate these social issues and be present to be with them in these moments. So being a father and saying that you admitting that you have even felt guilty of this yourself, what tips, tools, or, you know, what ways can you help the listeners that are men and even, you know, women that may fall into, I work two jobs and, you know, it's a lot of single mothers out there and they're, they're doing it. They're trying to provide, they're trying to keep a roof over their head and trying to keep their kids in dance class and out of the streets. Like what tips and tools do you have for them that can help them navigate this whole parenting journey of trying to be a provider, be a parent, be there. And, you know, it's just a lot of different hats that we wear as parents. But what can what advice can you offer? Um, You uh, you know, I would say one schedule, 
schedule time with your kids. And I know that, you know, some people like, you know, schedule time with my kids. Yeah, when your life is so busy, when your life is so chaotic, then you got to start putting things on the calendar um, and schedule time with just the, the, the time that you're going to spend with your children and be intentional about spending time with your children. And sometimes you even may have to sacrifice, you know, your own leisure or hanging out with your boys. You might have the, uh, you know, you might have to sacrifice sleep. Sometimes there's been plenty of times that I've worked overnight and then I've um, gotten off and there was things that my children had to do that was on the schedule that I sacrificed sleep for to go and be with them, to share these experiences with them, to be present um, in my in, my, in a present part of my family, you know, rather than just being on autopilot, going to work, coming home and going to sleep and then everything else happened without me, you know, so you have to be intentional in these areas. You have to want be in, um, make a, make time, set time, put it on the schedule. And then two, you know, you have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice your own personal time because you don't have that personal time. And your children shouldn't have to sacrifice time with you because you go to work and then you want your personal time and then your kids get in where they fit in. No, you go to work and then you schedule time for your children and then whatever time you have left over is for you. Now, let's get back to the movie for a bit. Those are really good points because you're right. Scheduling is very important. I even talk to moms, you know, especially when you have multiple children. And if anyone's listening to this and you have multiple children, especially if they're different age brackets, like we have five children ranging all the way from 14 to nine months. So you have 14, 12, 10, five and nine months. So, of course, the five-year-old cannot go to a five seconds of summer, you know, concert. And, of course, the 14 and 12-year-old, they don't want to go see Paw Patrol. So, you have to make sure that the time that you're spending with each child is individual time. You know, it's, it's individually focused to their needs. It's not always a family outing. You know, everything just d- cannot be a family out, uh, outing, a, you know, group outings. We have to spend individual time with our children. But getting back to the movie, um, you know, we do have family movie night. And a lot of time our family movie nights, you know, they're like, we watch Coco, you know, we watch a lot of animated film. And, you know, we do things like that. They're usually like, you know, um, what I would say, what is it, PG? But this was like really the first film that we watched with our family, with the boys, that was like a really serious topic. Like, how did that make you feel? Um, I think that when you, when, when, when censorship is, um, is secondary to uh, when you when you're dealing with social issues, when you're dealing with things that can change your children's life, um, I, I believe in you know teaching your children the giving giving your children the age appropriate truth. That means that if they're five years old, they may ask you a question, the same question that when they're twelve years old, they're going to get a different answer from me, but it's still going to be the truth for that age. So they're going to get a five-year-old truth at five, and then they're going to get the 12-year-old truth at 12. And then when they come adults, then all bets are off. They're going to just get it all in the wrong. <laughs> you know, I believe in giving your children the age-appropriate truth. But sometimes you have to, you know, um, set aside, oh, this this may not be mature enough for you. But no, this is something that you need to listen to in this moment. This is something that we need to talk about in this moment um, to help them grow 
Um, and you kind of got to, you know, it's kind of like teaching two grades ahead. You know, although your child may be in fifth grade, you know, you're teaching them on the seventh grade level. So basically be okay, you know, be okay with the fact that they're talking about rape, be okay that they're talking about, you know, um, possible attempt murder and there's some cussing going on up in there. You know, I know a lot of times people like, I don't want to watch it because it's cussing and then I don't cuss around my kids. Like, you know, we just need to put that to the side and really focus on the issue at hand. And it has nothing to do with profane language, you know, it has nothing to do with what they probably have not already seen or heard on a YouTube channel. So I would definitely talk to our children, regardless of what age it is, and just break it down to them. Like, like my husband said, the age appropriate truth, you know, our five-year-old was in a room and, you know, how, how was she in your eyes? Well, she wasn't paying attention. So, I mean, she was in her phone doing something else, you know, she wasn't following along, which is fine. But if she was, and if she had questions, then I would I would have answered her questions in a way that a five year old could receive that, um, you know. So I just, I, it's 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 life, you know. It's real. This is not something that's fiction. This is not something that's, you know, that that that's, that, that that didn't happen. This happened somewhere in America at some time, and you know, at some time. So teaching our children like this is something that happened for real. And because it's something that happened for real, it's something that can happen to you. So there's really no censorship for me that I would put over that because this is someone else's true story. It wasn't censored for the person that was going through it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it should be censored for my children as a lesson, as something they can learn from it. And and the reason why I really wanted to do this around Father's Day is because... A lot of times, you know, we'll look at a situation. The first question we'll ask, okay, you know, uh, how was the home? You know, how was the home structure? You know, was it was like a single parent? Was the mama around? Was the daddy around? You know, and I really wanted to point out that, you know, these boys, some of these boys had fathers, active fathers in their life. You know, one of the fathers stayed by the phone. It seemed like he didn't do anything but stay by the phone and wait for his son to call him. He literally raised his other child by the phone while he was, you know, trying to be there for his son. So I don't want, you know, you to think that the family dynamic and the family structure was not there. No, these boys, they had moms, they had sisters, they had fathers, they had grandparents that passed away, you know, while they were incarcerated. They didn't get a chance to see when they got acquitted. So it doesn't, it's not about the family structure wasn't there. No, they had family. And I, and I don't want to, you know, take, use that, that, oh, it wasn't a two-parent household or this, because that takes away from the injustice this. that mm -hmm. was done to them. You know, whether it was a one-parent household or a two-parent household, what happened when they got when they got wrangled up by the police, when they were in the inter interrogation room, that didn't matter if it was a two-parent household or a one-parent household. You know, that was an injustice done. The, the justice system failed those boys. Those boys were, were victims. They were they were um, they were fingered. They were pointed out by the police. They and it was political, you know. So it, it doesn't matter where it could have been a two parent household where where, where both parents were there because one of the boys had that and that and that situation actually fractured that relationship between that mother and that wife. And then even with the son after he got out of prison, it kind of fractured the relationship with his father. The interaction that happened in that room in that holding cell or that interrogation room with the police. So, you know, 
it was an injustice. It was it was it was the, the judicial system. Absolutely. And and it's interesting. It's funny that you said that because that brings me to my next point, my next question, because you mentioned the justice system. Well, for me, it's the educational system. And, you know, I started to really look at our educational system and realize that we're teaching our children the basis of education, you know, which are the three R's. And it's so funny. I was talking to, you know, Morgan the other day and I was like, I was mentioning to her about the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And she was like, but mommy, they don't start with R. I was like, okay, reading starts with R, writing has an R in it. And so does arithmetic. And I was like, and it was introduced by Sir Williams in the 1800s. So that's where it came from the three R's reading, writing, arithmetic. But in today's world where you see black kids that are being coerced into, you know, false confessions, our school system needs to teach our children the four R's, which are reading, writing, arithmetic, and rights. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I, I think that um, that there should be a focus on um, um, rights and, and 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 your constitutional rights and how to interact with um, the police. What are your rights? What but not just learning the Constitution. Like you know, they know the Constitution. They know the legislative, the judicial system. I'm not talking, but I'm talking about getting into the substance of the application of these laws in your personal life. You know, like the right to an attorney, the, um, the Miranda rights, your Miranda rights, the right to remain silent, the right to remain silent. Those you know, rights, as a minor, you know, knowing that you you have you you can't be interviewed by the police without an adult being there if you're under the age of sixteen. You know, so knowing knowing those rights and those interactions, especially in this climate where we have have so many um, um, black and brown, you know, young men and women being assaulted by the police. You know, and and, and 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 we have an interaction that's coming that that's that's from us where we well, like, I don't trust the police. I don't want to be around the police. I don't want to interact with the police. You know, this this is and it and this this climate has produced this friction, and the friction has always been there within our communities. But knowing your rights, knowing your Miranda rights, knowing you have the right to request an attorney, knowing that you have the the right to 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 not to, to to be silent, you know, in this situation, knowing that as a minor, you, you have, have the right. right to to your a parent being present in your room, and it's illegal for them to interview you with your parent not present in the room. So these are certain things, and and these are things that that the school can teach, but these are also things that we can teach our children as parents. And you're right, we definitely can teach our our children as parents. I I totally agree with you, one hundred percent. I just believe as well that we can add that to our educational system. I believe that, you know, our children are at school from sun up <laughs> and for some sundown, you know, parents pick their children up at six o'clock because once they're out of school, they go to after school care, you know? So I believe that majority of the time your children spend at school and I believe that our educational system needs to, they need to level up, as, as we say. They need to level up on that extra R and add it to the, the three basic R's, add their rights to it. Because I believe that once we educate our children on their rights, educate them on a legal system, they will be empowered. They will feel empowered because they would know their rights. Have you ever came? You know, you didn't came to Morgan and you didn't try to say something to her. And she checked you because she know that it is the truth. That's the same thing that will happen if they ever got, you know, pulled over for the police. And, and, and we have to teach them respect, too. I would mm -hmm. add that R, you know, to it. 
in in addition to you, rights, we would have to teach them respect because you don't want them to be to disrespect the law, but you want them and you don't want them to be fearful of the law as well. Like I don't want my children to fear police officers because we have police officers who are friends of ours. Yeah, you I believe you do have to teach them respect. And um, you know, um uh, there's been plenty of times that I've been pulled over by the police. I get pulled over a lot. Not because of the color of my skin, because I have a, a a bad habit of doing rolling stops at stop signs, and it seems the police is always there whenever I do this. That's not the police. That's Jesus. <laughs> that's Jesus. So, that's Jesus so, trying so, to tell him, "Listen, I see you. I see so, you." So I I get pulled. I've been pulled over a lot, and every time I get pulled over, I keep my hands on the steering wheel where they can see them. You know, I I roll my window down, not Damn all the way, halfway, and then I say, "Hey, you know, hello, officer. How are you?" I say, "Is it?" Is there a reason why you're pulling me over? And then they express their reason. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I did roll through that stop sign. I'm kind of in a hurry. I apologize. All right. They said, well, let me see your license and your um, and your insurance. They have the right to ask for my license and insurance now because I just broke the law. So now I'm sitting there and I'm and then I'm like, okay, it's in my glove compartment. Can I reach over to my glove compartment and get it out of my glove compartment? And you ask them? Yeah, I ask them. Okay. Absolutely. I, I dictate all my movements. If my wallet is in my pocket, I say my wallet is in my pocket. Can I reach in my wallet in my pocket and get my wallet? That I wait for them to acknowledge. Absolutely, because I don't want them to think that I'm just reaching for something and then they, you know, you know, react and then you know the rest is in a newspaper article. You know, so uh, it's important that you respect these police officers. I know a lot of police officers are good dudes. I'm a paramedic, so I interact with a lot of police officers. You know, and then you know for the most part. I believe that there are a lot of good police officers out there, but then you do have those that have this hate in their heart that that, that, that take this power um, to you know this power that they have from this badge and they and they, this authority that they have and they use it for ill-gotten means and they use it to promote injustice um, in a lot of these cities across America, you know. And I don't think that the 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 the, the, the small percentage of officers that are like this should. Um, should um, have an effect on a greater percentage of officers that really out that's really out there trying to do a their due diligence and be good officers and really protect and serve um, within these communities that they work in. That is so true. That is that is really really true. I, I'm I'm like thank you for pointing that out right now. And so we're gonna close this because we can talk about Central Park Five forever and ever. And actually, I'm going to do a part two because, you know, when I'm watching movies, I didn't get a chance to tell y'all the part that God was really talking to me and really, you know, opening up my eyes to what is going on and was like, man, Delisa, you know, you think it's bad. But in the end, I still have you. Excuse me. I still, you know, I'm still watching over everything. I'm still making sure that you're never alone. I will never forsake you. And I'm right there by your side. I just want to tell my husband, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I am just, I'm I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so excited to just have you on the show here. I mean, you know, let the people know you're not just Mr. Williams. You know, you got some things going on. Okay. Tell them about yourself. Tell them who you are. I got a few things going on. So I got a men's prayer call that I do every Monday through Friday. I mean, Monday through Friday, 7.30 um, a.m. to 8 o'clock a.m. This is for men only. Um, I start this prayer line because I believe that men have men need to stand up and men need to be counted amongst the righteous. They need to step out 
of whether they're furious, their um, their doubts, their shame, their guilt, condemnation, all that stuff that we carry with us that mm-hmm. holds us back from walking in purpose. Mm-hmm. So this prayer call is designed to get men into prayer, to get men into communicating with God about um, in, in fellowship with God and in, in relationship with God. And it's just a, a an igniter to what will hopefully lead to a day of them communicating with God and, and, and even a lifetime of them communicating with God. We also got something going on. Me and my wife, we are, ha- have our uh, marriage ministry, which is gracefully blended. Um, and it's um, because we're a blended family, but not so, not so much of a blended family because two lives have come together as one and we're blended in that way as well. So not, not just for blended families, it's for married people in general. We have an Instagram page. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Um, look for information coming from there. We're going to be doing a lot of lives coming up, um, talking about marriages and everything. And here's the info for the prayer call for the men that's interested or women that you have men in your lives and you want to share this information with. The dial-in number is 218-339-7800. The access code is 536-1742. Again, that's 218-339-7800. Access code 5361742. So I will also post that in the, you know, in the comment portion of the podcast for those, you know, who might be driving and you're listening right now, you don't have a pen. And then you can check the, the gracefully blended page at gracefully underscore blended. Okay. That's at gracefully underscore blended. I am so proud of you. I really am. I'm I'm really, really proud. And ladies, make sure that you share that. Like he said, it's just for men only. That's if you if your husband, brother, cousin, nephew, uncle, whomever, just share it with them and just say, hey, I got something, you know, for you. And and you're right, we gotta pray just to make it today. MC Hammer said that a long time ago. <laughs> so I'm just really happy that you are my children's father. You know, I'm, you know, when I met you, I was a single mother and I didn't have, Morgan didn't have a father. You, you know the story, you know what I went through. And out of all the fathers in the world, I'm just really glad that we chose you and you chose us and that God chose us to be together. I'm, I really am speaking from my heart. I know that my sons have a, a dynamic father who's going to hold them down, who's going to take care of them. You are so compassionate. You're, you're not far away, even though you work a lot. I don't want you to ever think that you're not here because you are here. And I just want to say happy Father's Day to you. That We just love you, boo. You just you oh, just don't. Thank you, babe. I love you, too. Um. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have um, the family that I have and to be able to have sons and have daughters. You know, I have sons and daughters um, at various ages. So it's, it's just a blessing to, to, to see these children grow and develop and know that we, as a um, husband and wife, mothers and, mother and father, we play a role in the growth and development of these children. And um, we can, we're molding and shaping their future with our interactions today. And so thank you all. I am so grateful that you are here. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being my first guest on Get Your Itch Together podcast. I mean, I've been sitting around here thinking like, okay, who can I interview? Why would I interview my husband first, right? Because you just dope. If you dope, I'm dope. You know, we dope together. I love you. (laughs) And from the Williams, we just want to say happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, man.
and make sure you stay tuned for part two. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this mind-shifting episode on Get Your Ish Together. Make sure you follow me on all social media at Delisa New Williams. Head on over there right now to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this dope podcast. Make sure you share as well. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel where you get to see all the Get Your Ish Together, the TV show, every single episode, and get notified before I post it to the world. Remember, family, today is the day God will get the glory out of who? Your story. I am your host, Delisa New Williams, and it's time to be free, y'all. I'm out.